trigger words are jalebi. Oh, nice. Tiger bomb. Mm-hmm. Blue rain or Saraswati. You can choose out of both of them. Oh, okay. So you want me to give you a thing? Okay, so uh, a family je- who make jellabies, they and the dad um, hurts himself, is no longer able to make jellabies anymore. The family is destitute until the mom <laughs> brings her tiger bar. <laughs> until the patriarchy takes over. And the mom has to, has to rub. Well, the mom has to rub her husband. <laughs> it's t- you can let go. You can let go. And, ch- and chill. And chill. And breathe. Oh, my uh. gosh. <laughs> oh my god that's brilliant from sc i have to say but whoa those questions. please look out in your emails for who's won the 10 pound nando's i was gonna party? get there she was gonna <laughs> enlightenment I, uh, i'm sorry what please. come to save the day yes and rub the man's back oh. A tiger bomb for her. Yeah, you know the patriarchy enforcing the patriarchy. <laughs> and then at the end, the woman got so angry, <laughs> put a tiger bomb in his anus, <laughs> sleeping. And then he suddenly wakes up and he gets addicted to it. <laughs> Every night he requests it now from her. And she's he makes jelly for her. She does it for him. He's eating jalebi, rubbing it on his anus. <laughs> if that not get produced by the National Theatre, there's no hope. There's no hope. This is right. the kind of work we want to be making, right? As you can see. Yeah. This is the cutting edge kind of work. Yeah. Damn it. High caliber. Original storylines. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host Rai and if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible or wherever you stream your podcast from, I don't know what the accent was, but let's go with it. If you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast on whichever platform you're listening it on. It organically grows the show, connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and puts the podcast in top spaces for all the streaming sites. As well, feel free to and I encourage you to tag us whilst you listen to this on their tiktoks the twitters the flitters the gram and the pinterest it's back y'all and as i always say this overall just shares the love i am so stoked about today's episode because we not only have one guest but we have two guests so get your cup is ready as we welcome dr sharmila chauhan and satinder chauhan let's dive in to today's episode all righty well welcome to chai with right to both of you thank you so much for our 100th reschedule and finally make it. <laughs> yeah. It's not your fault. It's really not. It's fine. It's called life. It's literally called life. Well, before we get into the formalities of having deep, meaningful conversations, I like to shake people out of their core. And basically, we do a game which is called Five Second Rule. Oh, so no. Are going to have to up? In in five seconds, you have to list three things. So if I was to be like, list three colors in five seconds and I start doing this, you have basically five seconds to be able to do that. Okay. You got this. Yeah, no, I'm feeling under pressure now. Okay. Yeah, Guys, 
you got this you got this all right let me get my questions up who wants to go first and i'll start with them okay thank you for giving shamalai's tribute i vote shamalai's tribute he's quicker off the mark than me so all right Shamla, in regards to cross-cultural conversations on the show own it online festival with host chantal lewis which i researched on you mentioned these are your words there's a lot of stuff around the children and what it means to be dual heritage as a center point of a cross-cultural relationship but there isn't much around the couple and i actually personally for me that is what i the work is so with that in mind in five seconds list three things you say to yourself in the morning as you wake up go you need to get up <laughs> it's seven o'clock kids are gonna five be late to school in five seconds you need to say in five seconds all right i thought you were gonna give me something related to my topic the whole point is i was like home. i was like okay is he gonna ask me what references i've got on yeah. on children let me quickly try and remember what this no the whole point is for me to blow you me okay okay i'm not gonna get distracted now all right are you gonna do satinda now yeah satinda's up oh, next all right. okay just use the strategy in an interview for made in india tea time talk 2020 you don't said, listen to that because <laughs> because I love writing about women and for women and men have had their day and because it is about keeping the focus on women their voices men can be in the peripheral in these stories so we are getting it from a perspective of that is purely a female view of the world so with that in mind list three Bollywood films with the world PR in it go oh my god I couldn't possibly <gasps> you know one at least Black. wow Tell me, what was the one? I have loved it. Love, love, love. Love is easy. Yeah. See, Essie knows. Essie knows. No, I, no. I, I, I haven't watched a Bollywood film in years. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but you could have I done have, something in the past. That is true. But I would have to, I would have to like trawl through the memory bank. Well, I was also going to ask you because I don't know the stories about Guru Nanak and you said how you used to go to Southall Library and, you know, stuff inspired you. But I was going to be like, are there any love stories with the word PR in it and tell me three stories of PR? Oh, my God. I still wouldn't know. I, oh. I wouldn't even know sort of, I wouldn't even know Western titles with the word love in them. I mean, I've got no. Okay. Go on. That's your fight. What's love got to do with it? Oh, the what's love actually? Yeah. Thank you. And what's the Tilda Swinton one? I am love. Thank you. Wow. Yes, you, look, you lot are just switched on. You're switched on today. All right. Well, this is, this is. Okay, let's see what happens to me this time. Okay, Shomila, you're up next. In researching and reading on your website, and when it mentions your work, pertains to your work, it says your work is often transgressive meditation on love, sex, and exploration of the diasporic experience. And we have often talked personally about appropriation and yoga, you know, yeah. like we do yes. back and forth. So with that in mind, list three sweet things starting with the alphabet C. Go. Uh, chocolates, cookies, candy. Yay! That was easy. It was food related. Food related is my like forte. You, you got this. You got this. All right, Satinder, so you're up next. Go for it. I thought you were going to be like, name three asanas or something. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, but no. Yeah. No, no. And I was like, no, no. Don't listen to what you're saying. <laughs> All right, Satinder, so you talk 
about how your first play, Zameen, came to be after you were inspired by your experience that happened when you went visited Punjab and you were researching a month before, was it, for Mira Sayal's Who Do You Think You Are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Actually, that was a while before, but yeah. Okay. It was inspired wow. after that trip. Yes. So with that in mind, corrected, thank you so much. So with that in mind, list three things you say to yourself after you've had some parote, lassi oh. and Punjabi chole. Go. Sleep, sleep, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gandhi, Gandhi. That's only, only sleep. All right. Ladies, I need you to think of a siren, like a, a sound, because this is a question I'm going to say to both of you. And whoever makes the first, like, ah, noise or whatever, they will get to answer. Are you ready? For 10 points to House of Slytherin, Gryffindor, Raven, whatever. Yeah? I don't know. Yeah. All right, you got this. So the question is, you both have had works produced by Carly and have work that empowers certain narratives and they're deep and meaningful. And through this week on researching on you, I've been inspired and in awe of your passion for your work. You guys are really, really passionate about your work, your intellect, which has made me feel very, very dumb as I'm interviewing you. (laughs) But with that in mind, list three South Asian films released prior to 2000. Oh, Bajji on the Beach. Oh, <laughs> it's like I have no idea if those were 40,000. I know you did. That was good. That was, that so was you said good. Mississippi Masala. Bajji yeah. on the Beach. What was your third one? Uh, Monsoon Wedding. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That's good. Yeah. Those are all my films from my from my youth. That's why they're imprinted. There's nothing else to watch. No other South Asian representation. Well, well done. Now you can both breathe. Well, I was going to give you three, but um, so Wild West, do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Which was such a, yeah. Yeah. And I actually had a part as an extra in that because it was filmed in Southall, but I think (laughs) I left on the cutting room floor. Um, And actually, that was Naveen Andrews. Yeah, I was about to say Naveen Andrews. Yeah, so Wild West. Naveen Andrews. Beautiful Laundrette. Oh, that's a good film. I've watched that. Yeah, that is brilliant. but then I was going to say, Rosie, was it, what was the, oh God, Rose and Sa- Rosie and Sammy got laid, the Hanif Qureshi, but maybe uh, that was South Asian. I don't know that one. That was, yeah, it was when Hanif Qureshi, like, yeah, <clears throat> screenwriter. He did a few things that were not South yeah. Asian led. Well, there's Buddha of Suburbia. Oh, Buddha of Suburbia. Oh, yeah. It was more of a TV, yeah, that was a yeah, TV. TV. But yeah, I there's also it like um, Fire that probably came out back then. Deeper Meta, the Deeper Meta. Deeper Meta films, yeah. yeah that I thought of that, yeah. yeah. From um, Toronto. She's from Toronto. Oh, she is, true. Yeah. Well, there you go. List yeah. of projects to watch now after this interview now for me. <clears throat> but have you not watched those films? I've watched like three of them. He's you're younger so, than you. are so young, right? Yeah. Yeah, but also I feel like all those films are like of a narrative that I cannot relate to. Yes. Well, so. fire, well, fire, but, but you yeah. Know, but you know, it's it's what we had when we were... Agreed. And that's why I think yeah. like for me, the staple that is goodness gracious me, I know, which it gets brought up a lot. I think it was, it's such a poignant like piece of South Asian 
what would you say entertainment piece or something like that that for me a lot of those things even though I don't relate to any of it I'm like oh my god this is like just so juicy but what, when you say don't relate to it in what way because they're very heteronormative or because no because like the uh, things like talking about the aubergine like I know it's a comedy sketch but yeah, like or, or things like when they talk about lino or yeah. um what is it when the expector comes in to the household and what is uh, he's like are you being held here against your will other parents forcing you to get married like mm-hmm. comedy sketches or even like even to this day this happens when I think who was it was it me or somebody who does an audition and they give like a minute's brief and the line is like two seconds yeah I mean I think also some of those things that seemed funny at that time are of not course. really funny now or weren't really funny then even but you were so desperate for something something that could relate you could relate to but I also um, think those films are absolute classics, like Mississippi Masala, Monsoon Wedding, like oh, yeah. the Deepa Metta trilogy. You know, My Beautiful Laundrette. I think they're exceptional, exceptional yeah. films. My Beautiful Laundrette. I've watched it, and I can relate to it because I think there's uh, there's certain things in there that I can like latch onto. So yeah. maybe I'll watch it again from a different lens. I, think you, I like... think you should check out all of those ones because I think they're pretty timeless, and I think I, I think they re- I think they do stand the test of time. Yeah, um, and I think, and then, and then done. So, I mean, Mississippi Masala for what it was back then. Yeah, it was an extraordinary film. You know, yeah, it was. It was with Denzel, right? Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. Sarita Chowdhury. Oh wow, yeah, he was so beautiful. Relationship in was okay. it in the south or Mississippi? Well, Mississippi. yeah, it was in the south, of course. It yeah, was. yeah. But also they got that whole Kenyan or Ugandan, actually, Ugandan uh, connection and looking at, yeah, racial hierarchy. I definitely, when I watched that, I was super related to that movie. Oh, and it was so beautifully too. done. Yeah. So we just watch a film instead of doing the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why not? Yeah. Well, my first question, which I was going to ask is, again, on looking through experts, experts, excerpts of your play, and seeing certain things that you both do something that you talk about like really doing the research which is a skill that carries on from your like journalism days for your play and Shamila I know like the work that you do from being in the Soho Writers Lab and like the questions that you ask in terms of like what does your play smell like what is the color (laughs) I can only imagine the work that you put in to your works but my question was as as a writer sometimes when you research certain things which are sensitive or are so are such in depth how do you guys safeguard yourself from the experience and do you do you do a service to the text to the characters or are you in constant like fight with this is injustice this this cannot happen so you want to go first I think this is very related to your work especially those are two questions, right? So the yeah. first question is how do you safeguard? Um, I I don't know. I don't really think about safeguarding. I kind of just, I just pursue those avenues of research and I allow them to take me where they might take me. And I know that with Zameen, um, I spent a couple of months researching like on the ground in Punjab. It was the most extraordinary experience of my life. Um, And I talked to a lot of, um, you know, farmers who were in serious states of debt, Mm. entrapment. Um, I spoke to the families of suicide farmers. It was the most heartrending, heartbreaking kind of 
experience of my life because there were so many people who had been devastated by, you know, just kind of by the sort of corporate capitalist setup in in Punjab Mm -hmm. and um you know this this the kind of the winds of globalization that were blowing in and the impact that they were having on ordinary farmers lives and I don't know I just I don't know if there was any safeguarding because I think it, it it went beyond work actually when I was interviewing those people if I was talking to the widows of the suicide farmers for me it became actually a personal experience it wasn't about work anymore even though it might have on the outset started off as an interview suddenly it was just like it was just it was a human experience you know and it was it was just emotional and moving and you know, you, in, in, in those kind of situations, I think you just want to, you, you have to have compassion, you know, you've got to have compassion, you have to have empathy, easily you have empathy. Um, I kind of, I kind of think a writer should throw themselves into all forms of extreme emotions without, mm. without that, I mean, or at least for me, I, you know, I know that some things can be triggering, we're living in, in, in an age of sort of triggers and stuff. Um, but for me personally, I'm, I'm willing to confront those things. I'm willing to go down those routes to see where something might trigger something for me. And how mm-hmm. does that, how, how does that, how, how can I identify with someone else's situation, maybe through an experience, a negative or bad experience or, or traumatic experience that I might have had? How does that bring me closer to that other person? Um, so I'm kind of willing to throw myself in and I yeah actually maybe every writer shouldn't do that because we all have different degrees of you know of of what we are willing to kind of take on in any given moment um, so yeah maybe you shouldn't follow my, <laughs> my <sort of laughs> into that and then also with like Lotus you know which was about sort of you know it touches upon domestic violence um but I do I I mean with that particular play I did more research research in beauty salons as as opposed to talking to women who had experienced domestic violence and I think for me that was much more through a community lens and my community experiences of what domestic violence meant for South Asian women um so it wasn't very it wasn't as personalized Zameen was the one that really kind of rocked me to the core but I came away with a real understanding of Punjab um the farmers and also just why I wanted to write they inspired me to such a degree you know I came away and I was just I was blown away by what they were able to take on in their daily lives and you know yeah, it just, it was, it was like, that was a life-changing experience for me. Jamila, you, you, you jumped in on the second one. Um, I think, I mean, probably not dissimilar to Satinda. I think that I'm always interested in the vibration of the character, like where they are emotionally. And maybe my approach is like, you need to be able to channel whatever that is for them. So you're like a conduit for that person's emotional journey and so I don't I remember when I wrote the husbands it did take me quite a while to come off that like to disassociate from Aya she was very like strong presence in my inside me for a long time and even now she still is which I think is like what maybe actors experience that kind of method type of someone once said to me oh you do method writing (laughs) um but yeah so I'm interested in like being that channel and that conduit so I don't also protect myself from that because I think you have to 
feel, be able to feel that stuff and let it come through you. Maybe with experience, I've got better though at being like, oh, that is that character's stuff and that is not my stuff. Maybe when I was younger, Raya, I would, it would get all meshed up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think you've got to feel it. Oh, it comes through in the work. If, you, if you're not feeling it, like literally those feelings when you're writing, I think it, it, it just, I don't know, for me, that has, that's the only way I can do it. In terms of safeguarding myself, I guess I also try to, depends on what I'm writing, but like, I'm always interested in, it doesn't always like realistic. So it's not always like, here's the solution to the corruption and, you know, what's going, say like for Zameen, like I couldn't, that's, or in Mother India, for instance, Sister other play, like those are real things that are happening and, and it documents a very real journey. And maybe in some of my work, I try to flip it and look at, okay, well, what's the kind of other way of doing this? What's the solution to this? How could we think about this differently? So maybe my reaction to things that I find really difficult is just sometimes go surreal or go kind of into, so like in Purnajanam, like it looks at, at the right, last part in the trilogy looks at a British Asian woman trying to go back to India to try and do something. And I felt very much, that was very much my feeling of like, can you go back? Can you do anything? Can you really make a difference? So I'm always trying to look at like, what can we do? Because also we're in the diasporic experience. We're not there. So I'm also like very conscious of what is the commentary I can make on something when I wasn't born in India, nor were my parents. So how can I legitimately discuss these things? Or, or can I, I guess is the question. And I guess that's why also I'm very, and I always have been very keen to be like, we need to talk about British Asian experience. But I wasn't around in the 90s in the sense of I wasn't making work then. So I don't know, maybe I missed my moment. <laughs> like, you know, it's, um, well, we'll see if it comes back around. But yeah, I think. I actually no. I'll ask this rather than the second question itself. You guys are both talking about like one should throw themselves at the experience in a way, right? So my answer to you is this, which comes from an acting perspective of understanding the work, which is that work can consume you. And sometimes that is triggering to a pack. Like who the hell? I remember talking to Gularana about this. Like she says, and sometimes I reached out to her and she would be like, writing is a very lonely experience sometimes. Mm-hmm. unless you have that relationship and the money to be able to have a dramaturg or a producer with you it generally is so so lonely so who do you like outlay that information with to be like ah <laughs> well, you you until you explode and like talk to a therapist if you can afford one or like i don't know Tazinda, would you like to go for that <laughs> Do you want to go first? I'm loving this. Do you want to go? No. You. I can go first. Um, I mean, I'm really lucky because my partner is a writer. So we do, oh. Oh. Yeah, we do, we do talk work. We don't talk character. Like We don't go, oh, I'm stuck on this plot line. What shall I do? But we do yeah. talk, well, this, you know, it's in the house. It's in the house all the time. So like today my son's off sick and then I came down after emptying the dishwasher and like they're watching Inuit Ellen's on YouTube you know like so it's it's in the house all the time <laughs> this is our study it's full of book, house full of books so yeah I think I'm very lucky it's like magic for me like so we I definitely have that support but when it comes to actually talking the work and getting that support yeah it's a dramaturg or a director 
um, I'm starting a project where I'm co-writing it with another writer. So that's quite nice because we can both be like, so, you know, we've already done the R&D and it, it's very cool to work in a good experience with a co-writer. I think it can be really fun and like interesting to see how your different processes are and what happens and what your different strength, strengths are to, to an idea. But sometimes it is just you're on your own. I think I've just got used to the fact that you've got to go through that thing of struggling and it's hard and sometimes you feel really frustrated and sad and alone and that's what being a creative is I actually just now you know I mean maybe a few years ago I wouldn't have said that but now I just like go for a walk in the park yeah listen to something and try and connect or do my yoga or meditation that's what I do actually I do my yoga meditation and I try to be like okay (laughs) have faith Halima, please come and help me. Yeah, no, I try. Yeah, I do seriously. Like honestly, I try not. I actually right now I block out the noise of am I gonna make it? What is success? I'm uh-huh. really yeah, yeah. I focus now on am I leading a life that I like? So I can I have time. I can go for a walk in the park or I can watch something during the day if I want to. That for me makes me happy, right? It's not big things. Or I can like be at home if I want. You know, I don't have to go anywhere. Am I leading the life I want? And then the rest of it, making it is just, it is or isn't going to happen. It's not in my control anymore. Whereas I think, say, 10 years ago, I was really like, I've got to make it, I've got to make it, I've got to make it. And then I was like, well, what, what is that really? And and the most, for me, I guess the most important thing is, is the work good? And am I being able to say what I want to say in the projects I really want to work on? You've got to do the journey and the destination. I know it's a cliche, but eventually I guess that's kind of where I've ended up. So yeah, I don't have a person to vent to actually I think being creative is very lonely that that's bottom line really I think it really really is that's the name of the podcast being creative is lonely (laughs) exactly (laughs) be a writer be alone (laughs) Essie what do you think okay well I can tell you a lot about this (laughs) firstly I can't afford therapy I can't afford a therapist which would be really helpful if one could but I mean in contrast to SCI, so I I don't have a husband, I don't have kids, I don't have a partner, I don't have a house. I, you know, these are things pretty much things, some of those are out of choice. Like I'd love to have a place of my own, but I don't, I can't afford it because I feel like there are certain things that I've had to do in order to survive as a writer. And so that means that some of my compromises have been that I live between my parents' place. I have a space here to write. Um, and my sister has a place uh, where she rents She rents the space, but she's, you know, she actually lives in France. And so when she's not there, I can use her space. So I kind of, I've done that for, since I started mm-hmm. writing. Um, so I basically just go between the two spaces so that I don't have to pay rent in London. For me, it became a practical thing. And I feel like I get so much like material support in terms of a roof over my head for my family but I don't think they actually understand the emotional Mm. struggles of what it means to be a writer and you know I'm in my late 40s now and I I think they question you know why I've ever done it because it hasn't translated into monetary success for them Mm. which are the terms you know, by which they understand a successful career or successful profession. And the fact that I'm in my late 40s and I have none of these, you know, I have none of these things that 
basically mark you as an adult <laughs> and so, oh no that's you know it's but but no no but I'm, I'm also saying that this is the mindset this is the mindset yeah. that I'm sort of dealing with in my domestic space so it's really I think Shamila you're so lucky to have Kosha because you know you have you have the you do, living with another creative I think that makes a difference because at least there's someone who understands kind of where yeah. you know what you're doing and where you're coming from whereas I think I'm constantly butting heads with that trying to trying to justify my decision trying to make others in my you know those closest to me understand why I made the choices that I did Mm -mm. you're so educated and this is what you did like yeah yeah yeah, that's often what's thrown back at me um Mm -hmm. whereas for me I know why I chose this and I don't have any regrets about choosing a writerly path like it's always what I wanted to do Mm. and um I feel like you know I have I've made a lot of choices where you know I decided I didn't want to be in a relationship because actually I quite like that idea maybe it's a romanticized idea but I quite like the idea of you know being quite monastic and you know solitary about writing because kind of all I can deal with I couldn't deal with like relationship conflicts while dealing with creative struggles I'm like Listen, I don't have it's the fun you gotta, oh, no. you gotta do it no I'm like this is a full-time job creative <laughs> struggle is a full-time job and it's taken it takes up my entire emotional bandwidth and that I was a relationship get on it <laughs> you'll be running on two different and- frequencies and yeah, family exactly. and friends. Oh, yeah. God, but hold on, I've got the elderly parents, okay? They take up a lot of emotional bandwidth. So yeah, is there is that. There is also that. Um, but yeah, I think it's that thing of just I think it it does. It's 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 I think it's in those down moments. I think it's in those moments where you question yourself and you question your choices, which inevitably will happen as a creative. Mm-hmm. That is it. That is incredibly hard because at yeah. those moments, I don't really have anyone I can turn to. I do have, you know, like creative friends, but I'm not going to be calling them up like every, you know, every meltdown because it's just something that you have to ride through and you have to, yeah, you have to kind of negotiate with yourself. Mm. And I think having, and I'm kind of going like confession time. You know, I'm kind of going through one of those moments right now in in my um, in my creative life where. I feel like I've been in theatre for, I don't know, what, 15 years or something? Yeah, 15 years past, yeah. something like that. You know, and I'm not quite where I want, I'm not quite where I want to be, and I am quite frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a lot of question, there is a lot of questioning, but I think it's more that sense of depletion, you know, that you give so much to mm-hmm. something, and sometimes you just need something to come back. Mm-hmm for you to just remind you do you know what I mean and sometimes it just feels like this constant like reaching into yourself to motivate yourself to drive yourself to mm. keep yourself moving forward and it's just become sometimes it just becomes exhausting because mm. I don't have I don't really have anyone I can lean on and go be my personal coach you know <laughs> like guide me get me up out of bed like you know get me to my desk or I mean I know we all have to do that ourselves but sometimes it you know that would just be so nice just to have support and you know a cheerleader just occasionally <laughs> yeah, yeah like but I think it also it's because I think like what you're saying to Tinder like you put so much into it you gotta live in constant faith mm. you live in constant fear but you gotta have constant faith exactly. and like it's gonna happen or this thing will pan out or you know it's like a wing and a prayer all the time and 
as much as we say, you know, you might not need validation, you want to feel that what you're doing is, even though you think it's good, right? Or your friends or your inner circle, but you want to feel that you're contributing. Mm. Feel like you're meaningful. It's meaning. Is it meaningful to anyone? Like you're spending all this time doing this stuff. Like, does it resonate? And it's hard to know sometimes. And it is hard. Like, definitely, like, yes. You know, I have a partner who's super, super, super supportive. But like in my family, like people don't ask me about my writing. No, it's like I have this whole career that nobody ever asked me. If I was like a university lecturer, everyone would be asking (laughs) me, right? With my tenure and whatever, right? But now like nobody asks you anything. Like like I have one cousin that maybe would ask me like, hey, how's it going? But really it's like this mysterious thing that happens that nobody talks about. It's bizarre. Like I think it's so interesting you guys are saying that because looking at your careers, like as a emerging writer, which oh. is, I'm going to ask you if you've made peace with calling yourself a writer, not an emerging writer anymore. Oh, yeah, you I guys think- are at the place where one would hope to be. Like you guys have, for me, the accolades and the the sponsorship of some of the 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 names that are in South Asian theatre, and you guys are still like like so for me the question then becomes is like where the hell do you <laughs> do you get to with this you're like okay so can I okay so wait there's three things I just want to say right and I'm going to ask that question as well I just want to say one thing um in relation to what um said. she just said about families I've got to say my sister recently said to me when I don't know maybe I was just I don't know, I was talking about something in relation to my work. And she said, well, why don't you go and get a full-time job, a full-time paid job? And I just thought, what do you think I've been doing? <laughs> do you know, and it's comments like that. Just <laughs> and you just go, what do you think I have been throwing myself into all this time? And it just, it's that lack of just understanding from <laughs> the people who are closest to you, where you just, I just, anyway, yeah. that's just one thing that you, and you're constantly contending with that rather than people who are just supportive and like, <laughs> or, or interested. Yeah. Interested. Keep going, like, keep going. Look, it's okay. Because that's, that's why we do it because we are going to keep going. And the second thing I wanted to say was actually just dealing with all those creative struggles. Um, also, Essie, yoga and meditation. I have found that that is massively, massively helpful. So yeah. rather than therapy, and again, it is about going for a run or being mm. in nature. I think that helps so much. Yeah. It has helped me enormously. Just to get a sense of perspective, to balance when work stress gets too much, just, you know, just putting it in context. Like at the end of the day, we're doing something that we really, really want to do. Yeah, we're really privileged. Yeah, exactly. And it's a choice and it's a privilege, actually. Um, but that has helped, yeah. Just so I just I just go inwards. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's it's part of that monastic thing, it's part of that solitary thing. But I think creativity and sort of spirituality, that relationship is, you know, it's it is it is a different yeah. thing. And it and they feed each other, they feed each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you were talking about the accolades, and I have to say that the one thing that I think my frustration, and I am being completely honest here, is I think the South Asian theatre sector has been so brilliant and so incredibly supportive. I really feel a part of a community, right? A South Asian theatre community. But I think my disconnect is still with the world that exists outside of that Mm. industry at large. And that is my problem, Um, I think. I just feel, I still feel that sense of kind of, I don't know, just 
alienation, like we write the stories we do and they don't have a value beyond the community that we are from and that mm -hmm. we work within. So I can't fault anyone like Carly and Samasha, um, Tara, Rivko, you know, we, we all get each other. Like we understand where we're coming from. We understand our stories. But I think when we step outside of that, I think the problems ensue. And all, even though things have changed, I think on an industry level, and it, there is so much positive change, I still think that whole thing about diversity and stories that are happening out there are still happening too much on industry terms. Mm. They're not really on our terms. And I feel like that's my conflict. I, I don't, and I don't know how, I feel that's still my frustration. And I, you know, and I'm a writer who doesn't really want to compromise my storytelling. I want it to be as authentic as possible. I want it to be about working class, you know, immigrants for like the people that I live with in Southall or whatever. Um, but I just, I don't know, that industry at large, uh, I just, <laughs> yes. It's, we'll get to that there are yeah, questions in so, regards to that so, so yeah but all I'm saying to you is um that just in terms of that support thing I've learned to really value our sector our, our sector in the industry you know I I think that there are so many brilliant creatives and the mm -hmm. fact that we are collaborating and we are telling these stories together and you know being able to put on a play and just to have our audiences come in, oh my God, in like white mainstream spaces is mm. incredible, incredible. You know, there is, that's that's the kind of thing you want to see, but I think it's so stuttering just in terms of the individual creative journey, journeys that happen. It's almost like you do something and then you're just back to square one and you have to like yeah. yourself again. You have to pick yeah. yourself right back and it feels like you're back at square one. And there's just been too much of that, I think, for me, where it's like, right back to square one, let's go again. Do you know, to the point where you're going, oh my God. Question that I was going to ask, which is like your thoughts, your personal thoughts on where South Asian theatre has been, where it is currently and where it's going. I mean, I think like in the 90s, it was going in some really interesting directions. Like Carly was, uh, you know, it was Carly, there was Tamasha, um, Tara. And I think that generation of artistic directors were really sowed a lot of seeds and and I felt like there was lots of different types of stories um and then I think it just that's kind of what I grew up on as a young writer and then it sort of just went into like a bottleneck where it sort of nothing was really massively going on for quite a while and then I feel like now it's opened up again the thing about it opening up again is I feel one thing that I noticed, this is my biggest gripe, is there's so many stories that are not set here. I'm like, I want to see diasporic stories set in the UK. Like, why is that so difficult? That's not about, like, someone being a terrorist or being <laughs> eaten up by their husbands or, you know, that stuff. Like, I want to see actual stories of people, just people's stories. Not saying issue-led drama isn't important and vital. It is. But culture needs, our, our, like British Asian or British South Asian or whatever, whatever people want to call it, it, need, it really, really, really needs some really strong... You want to say really one more time? <laughs> yeah, really strong, like, roots. 
and it's lost that because our thing the 90s thing was growing and then it just crashed and now it's having to grow again but it's not really echoing or coming out from what happened before it's like people are just redoing it from scratch which i understand because a lot of those plays were not published they're not recorded like um back in the day i atara were trying to do an archive but mm-hmm. i don't think it was ever finished i'm sure it wasn't um so a lot of that information and the stories around those plays has totally lost and so like if you look at things like daytimers for instance yeah or um hungama like they're really trying to create a cultural tentpole for us to to put this thing on and I think theatre has to do its bit, and I just don't think it is. You just you just don't see so few stories. There's Kandan, um, Gurpreet's play, like about eight years ago, and then I don't know what else is out there around British Asian experience. Vinay's play, maybe a little bit, Arrival, and I feel like we don't see ourselves reflected on stage. And so for me, that's where it is, where it's going. I don't know. I hope it gets to that place again. I hope it kind of comes back round. I think there is a real desire of people that really want to see that but whether the 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 institutions because i just think people think it doesn't sell people just think like this make like you know the theaters like if you look at lotus beauty it was packed right but there's an idea that it doesn't sell people aren't interested in british asian stories and i just think that's that's really doing us a disservice and it's so not true yeah it's really yeah yeah but it is it's it's but that maybe that's the crux of it is that a wider industry needs to have more faith in those stories, you know, and we need to be supported by a wider industry, mm. you know, and I just don't think, I think there's a certain sort of, there's a certain strand of storytelling they might support. Yeah. Like, um, which which serves their, serves their kind of purposes. Um, mm. And that feels like the big, yeah, as I say, I just feel like that's the big disconnect for me. Because yeah. that, that's almost... um it's that transition it's that transition from the work that we've been doing to that next level I yeah think that, that next level of letting it out into a mainstream sphere because we are bringing in the audiences you know it's I for Lotus that was that that show was sold out and we had our communities were so excited about it they they're hungry for that stuff. yeah exactly and also and also none you know sort of sorry white audiences traditional theater going audiences they're hungry for something different as well yeah and 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 theater should challenge you know theater should be challenging those audiences rather than spoon feeding them yeah yeah and spoon feeding them for decades yeah and it and and it's not it's just not reflective of like the, the experience like if you look at tv um especially like american south asian tv the big shows are diasporic shows of course, you've got the shows like Deadly Crime and blah, 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 Hush Hush and, you know, Fame Game and all those shows. But you've also got, you know, especially Mindy Callen's, um Oh, Never Have I Ever. Yeah, Never Have you've I got Ever. Made in Heaven as well on, on Prime and like Four Shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the diasporic or English spoken Hindi shows are growing and they're huge, some of them. And I just think... Even something like Rami, like I think Rami is amazing. I love Rami. And their audience are there for TV. Why do you think that they're not going to come out to the theatre? And we really need it. Like it's my biggest gripe is like, why are you just not letting letting that happen? Why why is that such a big bone of contention? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I absolutely <laughs> agree with SE with regards to all of that. And um, I mean, I do think, I think 
I think there is some positive change. It is happening, but it's not, it's still not quite. It's not as fast. And maybe, and maybe that will take time. But my my concern is that it still serves a certain agenda and it's not, it's not cutting edge enough. It's not authentic enough. It's still not speaking to Mm. experience enough. And and I'm from, you know, a community like Southall and I want people from my community to be able to be comfortable in a theater space which is traditionally white and middle class Mm. I mean I to me it should be a democratic communal space that is accessible to all you know theater is powerful Mm. um, but it just it's still there are still gatekeepers and it is still being safeguarded only for particular audiences yeah um, I feel and, and and even from Lotus I felt that a little bit but the opening up was happening I think Hampstead were really great and brave for putting on that piece but I don't know that that's gonna continue in a hurry you know I mm-hmm. think I think that's something that theatres are going to look closely at do we want a show like this or do we want you know it's people they don't they don't want to take the risk they just don't yeah. take the risk even though the audiences are there and the work is there and that's problematic for us you know yeah, it's pretty bad for us. It's pretty bad for us, isn't it? Yeah. Show me like after uh, graduating from graduating from Soho Writers Lab, and I think like this is a very much a personal thing. So I ask it from a personal perspective rather than an interview thing. It's this year seeing the scope of South Asian theatre plays that have been put on, and going to see as much my mind or my finances would be allow me to I think there's a lot of exciting things being done and that is one of the things like even initiatives such as like Dara's um, play reading group where young emerging writers can go and read out their first drafts their third draft or whatever but as a creative overall and I've had conversations with you in regards to this I still feel like the scope of South Asian theatre in mainstream spaces and in certain South Asian theatre companies, please challenge me on this, is that as a creative, be it as an actor, writer, or a director, I have personally felt this year that in order for our voices to be heard, the projects that I have personally seen are either period-based, historical-based, or trauma-based, or a lot of Asian writers tend to have a symbolic metaphor sort of attached to their work. And <laughs> I love that because I think there's there's a beauty in that. I just can't help that. But, but also for me, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, but also for me, it's sending me a message like, is that the work that I need to produce then as a, as a South Asian writer after getting like 20, 50 rejections of being like, thank you. No, very, thank you very much. So like, I, I'm like puzzled with this, this sort of thing. And do you guys feel the same or do you not feel the same? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would, I don't do that, but that's probably why I don't, I, you know, haven't been commissioned to write anything for a while because I'm not, that's just back to the British Asian experience or whatever that is. Like I want to see and create work that is exploring other things. So Oh, can I add to this? Do you ever feel boxed just as a POC or a South Asian writer? Um, I don't personally feel boxed in the sense of I try not to think about that. I'm sure I am boxed. Of course I am boxed. Def- like 100% definitely. But I just, I think it's about are you willing to do those things and get your work put on? Mm. Or are you going to try and do something different and risk 
not getting put on mm. badly because I just I think new spaces are maybe trying to do different I'm interested to see what happens with Thara because I'm I think they're really trying to just do something different which just feels really exciting um but I think there's a lot of pressure yeah and even when you do those things you still might not get on <laughs> SC do you want to I I think I just don't think you can you can write according to what you think they want yeah we exactly cannot do that yeah and we can't we just we have to tell the stories that we want to tell we have to tell the stories of our families our communities our imaginations you know it might mm-hmm. have nothing to do with our family or community just whatever you feel compelled to write you have to write do not I really don't think it's about fitting into what the theatres want I really I honestly like that's not there's no yeah there's no joy in that and for yourself yeah I personally couldn't do that but there's I I adore that but also when you have like chasing hairs at the young Vic and you have like my father an assassin at the national yeah I know like certain themes that are continuously happening you're like my work is just getting rejected left and right so yeah but I guess you can be assured that you're just not getting yeah it's not the quality of your work it's the subject matter which is what I constantly remind myself is that's what it is it's not that what you're doing isn't good it's just it doesn't fit those boxes and also if you look at those writers they've been on a long trajectory as well Mm. Anu like she's she's done amazing work and it's you know it's 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 she's been on a journey herself and she's only written the plays that she has felt compelled to write you know I really I I really rate her as a writer and I think she has done things really really truly authentically um and I don't think she would have written to written whatever she has written if she didn't feel compelled to write it I don't think she was writing it for the theatre you know Mm -hmm. so um I I just think you yeah you just you've got to you've got to really tap into what your style and your your sort of your way of storytelling is and you've got to discover that you know that's a lifelong journey in itself really tapping into that and the right people Mm -hmm. the right theatres the right collaborators will come to you they really will you know and I've pushed with certain theatres and I've just got to the point where I'm like (laughs) I just can't anymore and you know what what SE was saying from before that you know that's what you do when you're starting out. You're, you're yeah. constantly, you're trying to make those connections. You're trying to, and at some point you just go, you know what, this is, this is kind of a bit pointless. And I'm actually just going to write the stories that I want to write. And mm-hmm. I, I just hope it's the faith thing again. You come yeah. with faith that I'm going to, I'm going to be able to work with someone who understands where I'm coming from. And honestly, that is the greatest value of in collaboration. And whether it's a director, it's an up, you work with an up and coming director, the two of you get together because it's someone you connect with, you know, that's how your work should grow. Honestly, that's, you know, you want your work to grow in that particular way. Start out small, try and get your work in smaller venues, get it up and out, try to get funding together, the Arts Council, Grant for the Arts, whatever it is. (laughs) Those things. Yeah, it's laborious, I know, and it's laborious and it's exhausting, but you have to, you know, unfortunately, we have to, those are the routes that we have to follow. I've had to follow them and I've had to exhaust them and I would still do that. Um, but I also know the value of just working with people who absolutely understand where you come from creatively, people that you have creative synergy with and a creative connection with. 
Um, and that's far more important than just kind of just, you know, blindly Jane. sending it out and hoping that they're going to come. I mean, of course, do that stuff too. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But um, I think just keep growing and feeding yourself as a writer as much as you can in the process and discovering what the heart of your stories are. Shifting gears and not tremendous gears, maybe going from like a one to a two. I was intrigued to see the the conversations and your imprint in the digital space in terms of like the gram, the Twitter, the, the whole thing like that, because those are certain conversations which I have with people in regards to brand building or um, having affiliations, having a certain amount of following and that giving you a leg up when you have conversations with theatre about theatres or programmers or having your own space to be able to finance your own productions. And I think from a business perspective, I wanted to ask you, do you guys ever think about those things? Because that's something that I grapple my mind with in terms of there's a new age. You were talking about yeah. daytimers. You were talking about Hungama. Those are organizations and experiences that have come from a digital footprint mm. that have are now a machine behind them that every time they put on an event, it sells yeah. out like that yeah. it brings in the money so, so to a point where I have been in certain theater rooms and people will be like oh we need to collaborate with them to get them in my question to you is like do you guys ever think about that as writers and have you made a conscious decision not to go there <laughs> I think it's, I love that stuff as a you know the gram and like people content. yeah I'm not <laughs> I just think it's very time consuming. Sometimes you just see like they're just basically it's repetitive content, right? It's just the same content, slightly packaged differently. Like, and I'm not interested in I'm just not interested in doing that. I think it would can work. I think if you're willing to put that work in, there's you know some amazing South Asian influences um out there and they've really made it work. I'm just not, it's not in my demeanor <laughs> way to just be like hey read my work here I am being Rupi cool reading my word look how great I am you know look how beautiful I can be I'm just not Rupi cool and so I I just takes a lot of your doctor, doctor your doctor, doctor. <laughs> that's, doctor. Gonna get, that's gonna get me people following me right if I put <laughs> doctor at the beginning of my yeah on my handle I just I think it's interesting maybe I'm a little bit suspicious of it on like I get it for an institute I get it for like hangama or you know daytimers that makes sense to me as a writer it doesn't make sense to me but I do use it for myself like if yeah. I want to talk about something I'm interested in or something that I'm doing that I think would be interesting then sure but I'm not interested in it but I think it in it it probably would if I was it would probably be useful but I'm not that way inclined See? All I have to say is I'm not even on social media. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, very hard to stalk I, you. I, I'm not on social media. I don't have a website. <laughs> I have no idea about the technical digital worlds that exist outside the realm of script writing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really, I honestly don't really think about it until I have to think about it because I just am so kind of consumed by getting the work done, mm -hmm. which for me is, it's, you know, my process is a little bit long. So um, yeah, unless it's not, if it's relevant to the project I'm doing, then 
it's something I will bring in and I will explore and stuff like that. But I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty old school. And I just think, like, even with Lotus, for me, it was about kind of outreach. You know, for me, there's so much, there's that aspect of theatre that I'm really interested in. I actually... Do you know my dream as a child was to be a novelist and I still intend to be a novelist and I'm st still I ask myself why on earth did I go on this crazy detour and become like a playwright um but the reason why I think I really got into playwriting was because of the whole community aspect mm -hmm. or collaborative aspect yeah. you know writing fiction writing a novel is so incredibly solitary and I love the idea of it and I really want to do <laughs> it but I think there's also that side of me I come from Southall and we are so community sort of minded and theatre really gives you that theatre that is what is so fantastic about theatre and I get the whole digital side of things but I also think we because of stories that we tell and that we're still trying to crack open certain doors and break open certain spaces that actually we have to go to those traditional roots as well and it's like plain old simple community outreach to get people who don't have access to theatre to try to get them access to theatre so I'm kind of more that side of things at the moment do you know what I mean because I want to see those people be able to wield the power of theatre rather than people who are already versed in it and trying to find more sort of technically sophisticated ways of doing it. <laughs> But I guess, and I think you're right, so there is that whole thing of trying to bring, especially bringing theatre to the community as a versatile yeah. way around. But I am really interested in in the fact, I think on the socials, South Asians have come out in force and I'm always excited to see, like, when something's going on, everyone's trying, there's there's, there's a community. And, and I felt such a great sense of community and sense of shared values and sense of people coming together, like if it was BLM or like what's going on with um what's going on in India with kind of Hindutva or what's happening in Leicester like I feel like finally we're speaking out and coming together and doing something and I feel like that would be amazing to harness to kind of like bring us together because I think that's a new thing and I think that's exciting I whether I personally got the bandwidth to do that myself like be that be someone out there on the socials all the time I don't but I think it's really really there's something new happening on the socials and um, I think it's giving people a sense, it is, that is giving people a sense of identity actually. Let's do quick, um, let's do quick responses, okay? Got it. Okay, how deep are you guys both involved in terms of your processes as a writer in terms of when a project gets commissioned or put on or you're like now affiliated with a theatre that XYZ project by SCs you guys should actually do a double bill, by the way. I know. Shouldn't we, Joe? So, that'll be so fun. Is, like, how much of a voice do you guys have? Like, do you have certain things that you will compromise on and you won't compromise on? And sec and then I'll ask the second question later. Go, quickly. Go, sit in there. Yeah, so when you're working with a theatre, right? Um, no, I get, I throw myself in. I fully immerse. Um, like, with Lotus, I was involved in marketing. I was involved in... I mean, putting the program together. I was involved in trying to like get tickets out to people, just get people audiences in. I was involved in outreach. I throw myself fully into it and I was utterly burnt out after the experience <laughs> because of it. You know, and I think that's something that theatres also need to look at because I think those theatres, as much as I love Hampstead, we, there has to be a language and a way of them understanding what is necessary to support diverse work when it is put on you know that there is something extra and additional required 
Um, so I feel like I was, you know, I was, I ended up doing certain things, roles um, that I wouldn't necessarily have otherwise, um, just because of the, yeah, the kind of the culturally specific nature of the work. I think that, um, I think it's like relationships. There's some, like, I love being um, in the casting. I don't necessarily be like, this is what I want, but I just think it's a really interesting process. I love seeing seeing how that works and there's never anything that I'm like I will never change that or I'll never do that I think it depends on the project depends on your director it's I think it's important for me anyway to be fluid and kind of some like with the husbands I do a lot I was changing that script the whole way through rehearsal all the time cutting changing adding I go home and do rewrites I just I think that's the part of the you know you write something by yourself and then when it becomes part of everybody's thing then it's like you have to like allow that meshing to happen and some of that means some things you gotta let go it's fine like some things aren't going to be the way you imagine it's never the way you imagine some things are so beautiful and you're like oh my god like that's amazing that's life so I just I just go I just basically go with it I'm happy to like yeah be open one way or the other um does authenticity matter to you that I'm going to question phrase it in a way of as a writer I found it that when I put the projects out when I write like let's say Punjabi or Hindi or Tamil and things like that some like to get specific actors for those roles is difficult and then to get actors who are um, speaking that language is difficult and then conversations in regards to which I think it would be interesting to get your take because Shamila I don't know about your experience as much but also having people who are represented in that play be the crew so having a let's say if I wrote a South Asian queer play I want the team to be South Asian or queer so authenticity authenticity as a writer is hugely important to me I mean in terms of my truth to be able to be true to what I want to express and what I want to write in the room if we're talking about authenticity in terms of playing parts and stuff yes um, I want my characters and my team to be as authentic as possible, but I also don't have an issue if there's someone who is qualified for a role who doesn't subscribe to my kind of cultural requirement of that role. So like we had Suad who played Big Daddy in Lotus Beauty. And um, Suad is sort of, she's, she's African by birth, but you know, there was enough there. Like she, she felt like she was Punjabi to, to us to me um and you know it also came from the dearth of kind of Punjabi actors mm-hmm. of that age you know that generation they just, just there was just there's no one really and Suad is a she is she was amazing she's yeah a legend. she's a legend you know and she was perfect I thought she was perfect for it and it didn't matter that she wasn't Punjabi um so I think I I, I don't want to be hard and fast about those things You know, I want there to be creativity in the space as well about who we take on and who we collaborate with and or actually who I collaborate with. I'm not speaking for everyone, but yeah. Um, So I think be as authentic as you can. And then obviously it's not possible like all the time. Um, And you've got to be able to be flexible and creative with that. And there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in allowing that. Um, I think there's something about what you were saying, like, uh, right, like about right sorry about if possible what depending on what I'm writing I would love everyone to be somehow affiliated thematically to what that piece is 
because that creates a safe space. It creates a place where actors and conversations that can happen honestly, whether it's literally about the piece or other things. Also, because I also think we, all of us collectively making a piece of theatre should be transformed by the work, by the process. So I guess that's very obvious, but, and the only way we're going to be transformed and some of it is we're all doing our own healing work, right? We're all going through a process, trying to deal with our shit and trying to alchemize it through a creative process. And I think you can do that best when you're, there's like a shared thing between the cast and the crew, like hundred percent, that would be my dream. It's not always like that. obviously like it hasn't been for me and I think I do sometimes wonder if things might have come out differently if like my director was South Asian not necessarily better or worse but just there would be a different aesthetic I think that's important to be honest about that um it's not always possible right like it's just definitely not always possible but it's something that I'm conscious of because it is a it's a different prism through which the work is then created whether it's about even the way that the way the stories are told, like the three-act structure, all of that stuff, like the epiphany, all of that are Western kind of, you know, constructs. And so, you know, even going back to like the kind of work you make and the structure you make it in, all of that is decolonizing all of that is uh, kind of, <laughs> is, is part of what we call, is this authentic or not? And it's a big, big issue. And it, but I think it's something for us to talk and debate about. And there's something was it at the Ulvik? Or someone did something about POC dramaturgs and is it important to have a POC dramaturg? Yeah, and yeah, I think it is. And there's not that many. So, you know, when you're getting people reading your work and not understanding it because they're not POC. So it is important. Oh, I would say vital, but it's not always possible. And same as the Tinder, like when we did when I did the husbands, one of the characters, we ended up casting Mark Theodore, who is black because we struggle to find a South Asian guy who could fit that role. And Mark was like amazing, amazing, amazing. It did make me a bit sad that we couldn't find a South Asian guy to play that role. But at the same time, it was so beautiful and it gave it a different energy and a different sort of way of doing kind of showing a story. And I guess also for me, my partner is black. So it was nice for me to see that synergy on, happen on stage. All right, the games are called, you gotta be quick. And like, I don't want deep, you gotta like, like literally, you, we all have watched coffee. We're not superficial people. I know, it's like, I can't do superficial, okay? No, it's not about being superficial. (laughs) It's just about being quick. Quick and superficial. Quick, no, don't be superficial. (laughs) Okay, go on, go on, go on. Super child, play with rye. Which means if you don't want to play with rye, you basically sip. And if you know play with rye, play with rye. So the who wants to go first? Satinda, since you're green on oh, my box. Right, game. Have you <laughs> okay. noticed? Yeah, okay, that is why. <laughs> You'll write a play. Stuff. You'll write a play, which is now about games. <laughs> you remember, like I met this guy. He made a play. All these games. Oh, yeah. Hate it. Hated it. He was like um, a radio host. He was. Uh, the first section is called "If I Was." So if I was to be like, if you, Satinda, were a colour, what would you be? You'd be like, I'd be X, Y, and Z. If you were a film, what would the title of that film be? By the way, would you rather be a book or would you rather be a film? I would rather be either. Okay. Mind. I could okay. choose. Yeah. <laughs> Go with film. More money. Okay, film. Okay, film. You're right. You're yeah. right. More money. If you were a film, what would the title of that film be? First thing that goes into your head. Go! Amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was the first thing that came Okay, in five, four, three, two, one. Give me the IMDb storyline, go. Um, It's about this glowing yellow ball that emerges and grows and grows and grows and burns out the earth and colonizes other planets. And I'm here for Is it a person or a thing or is it a life force? I have no idea. Oh, I see this being produced by Warner Brothers. Great. Who would star in this? Give me three actors. Give me give me two actors. Two actors who would star in it. Go. Oh my god. Can I just choose like random ones? Joaquin Go. Phoenix and um uh Anders Danielson Lee, who is an incredible, incredible noise. I said name, I don't need more. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> if you were a color, what would you be? First thing. Some yellow. If you were a dessert, what would you be? Tiramisu. If you were a drink, what would you be? Uh, champagne. If you were a holiday destination, what would you be? Tahiti. Tahiti. <laughs> if you were a plant or a flower, what would you be? Lotus. Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a smell, a new eau de perfume coming out, what would the three notes be? Go. Oh, my God. Uh! No, I don't know. Um, um... Sandalwood, um, <laughs> um, rose. Can you be rose? Just yeah. go, just go. Sandalwood and uh... think of a tree, type of tree. Oh, cypress. Is that a tree? Cypress? I... Pine, pine. I'll just. Okay. Make it. Pine. What would you rather be, rich or famous? Oh, rich. What would you <laughs> rather have, critical acclaim or an award-winning portfolio? Oh, aren't those the same? No, they're not the same thing, are they? No. Oh, critical. Um, no. You oh. said critical. I'm going with that. What would you rather have your plays on for the rest of your lifetime? West End or regional theatres? Oh, regional. Film or theatre? Film. Netflix or Prime? Do I have to choose? Jale. Netflix. Have you, um, what would you rather have? Have your play be a popped up at the National Theatre with a UK tour with a following year? as in like you know national tour first and then the following year UK tour or publish a book and be on the New York Times bestseller oh the second one of course (laughs) okay what would you rather world peace or equal rights maybe world peace okay cool most underrated and overrated piece of theater you have ever seen go first yes you can I actually can't because I don't watch that much theater Okay, so most- <laughs> underrated. I know underrated. I your really- own stuff. No, shut up. I'm gonna mute you. Yeah, that's so good. I'm um, underrated. Oh, I know overrated is Richard Bean stuff. Oh my god, his stuff. I'm sorry. Is that the is that the guy's name, Richard? Sure. Bean? I don't know sure. who that is. I don't know who that is, but just go for it. Maybe most I just of- made that up. Maybe that's Ali, good. Enough. Underrated. Okay, underrated. Um, was Buried Child. It was a Sam Shepard thing that I thought was so fantastic and brilliant. But fabulous, fabulous. Most underrated and overrated director. In in theater or generally? Generally. Oh my god, this is a really hard question. Go. Oh, but, but film or theatre, like, am I combined? Anything, anything, anything. Do, go with underrated first. I can't actually say, I can't actually reveal the answer of what I was going to say, no. Okay, most underrated and overrated writer. I can't answer these questions. You can answer these questions. Lots oh. of people have. Oh my God, no, I couldn't possibly. Cash did. Gularana <laughs> did. No, I can't. I All right, fine. Since I, I see you're a cop out, most underrated and overrated piece of advice you have ever gotten. 
I, I, God, What's the best piece of advice you got? The best piece of advice. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you for translating this. But you know what? I'm gonna move on. <laughs> you get no points. You get no 10 pound Nando's gift card. No, I don't because you just really thrown me. I'm just like, wow. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. All right. Um, you can I, I actually, you know what? Rapid response. Let's just do that. Three things about the industry that could do with and without. Rapid response. Okay, with the industry that could do with. Um we could have more people of color in the industry. We could have more diverse work on everywhere in mainstream spaces. We could have more money, cheaper, cheaper yes. theater tickets. Okay, cheaper theater tickets. Yeah. You got your third wish. What would you? I gave you three, didn't I? Did oh yeah. Three. Okay. Okay. What could it do without? What could it do without? What could it do without less gatekeeping, less expensive tickets? Yeah. <laughs> Um, do that. and I don't know, less kind of snootiness. Okay, cool. Uh, simple yes or no. If you know what you know now about the industry, would you have entered it and worked the way that you did up until now? Probably not. I would have. Okay. What was your biggest expectation from your career that you have accomplished and also let go of? Uh, the biggest thing I think I've done is like I feel like actually I have done that kind of community server, and I feel like that's what I'm doing. So that's like my biggest accomplishment. I feel very um, yeah community connected through my work. What was the what was the second? Let thing? go of. Oh, uh, what what have I let go of in my... Yeah, um, your expectation of your career, like this... Oh, I think it's what Sharmila said at the beginning, which is, you know, you have these great expectations of where you're going to be. And actually, you just go... You have to, you have to actually go with the flow of what you're doing and realise that, do I really want to be in the West End? Things like that, no? Fabulous. Um, what do you feel like you lack or you can work on in your storytelling? And what is your beacon of light where you're like, oh, nobody can touch this shit. Yeah, it's mine. Oh, like, yeah, it's like, it's like this. I could actually work on editing. The overwriting. Editing, yeah, overwriting, edit much better. And the thing that no one can touch, it doesn't really help my plays, but I'm a damn good researcher. <laughs> All right. So the next section, the next two sections are really good. You have written two plays. Lotus Beauty and Once Always British Steam Rises. This is how well do you know the scriptures of your own work? <gasps> I'm going to play random clip from Once British, Always British that I'm going to pause and you're going to tell me the next three to four lines. <laughs> okay, I can tell you right now I don't know, but go on. Let's try okay. Honey, you, you can do it. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you've actually done that. Right. Breathe, breathe. This is European seaman. Three times my wage. Bigger sleep space, better shift, better food, better everything. Then only. Next, three lines. <laughs> I have no idea. Guess, guess. Oh my God, I can't even place it in my script. I want to go home. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what happens. So the last word we ended was then only. You jumped ship yesterday, didn't you? No. It was Maggie. It was Maggie. All right, your Lotus. Lotus Beauty. Okay, Lotus Beauty. More recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is from Tanwan's Tanwan's line where she says, "Big roti accident." Picky goes. You're making rotis for dad and the boys, and the kitchen towel caught fire in the iron tava. Burn your beard clean off. What is the next line? I actually knew that line before you said it, but I can't remember the line after that. 
If it does it help you if I tell you who the line is? Is the it next one? Big Daddy? No. It's done once. Oh, hold on, but your bed clean off. Something about Rita making no, I've got no <laughs> It's BD, you always make the roti at home. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right, make yourself up. This is the last, last, last of the games. Okay. I'm very well at any of your games. These are really hard though. Guys, oh. I'm just saying you can do this. Okay. I feel like we used to play this in the Soho theater and in other theater programs. What have you got? You're a writer. You're a tremendous writer. I'm basically going to give you three trigger words and you have, after those three trigger words, 30 seconds to paint me a picture of your play. Oh, I hate that. Do you know, this is why I actually really hated writer workshops because these were the kind of things I could never do. Honestly, I would, I would like crease with anxiety. <laughs> and you are actually recreating that experience with me thank you <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight oh my god this is oh my god this is my worst nightmare as a writer go on Listen. I need, like I need time I'm like I need time. you have 30 seconds oh, okay so um you have a choice either you can create a theater show a tv show or a film what would you like a film a film okay cool your three points are the counting Tara guy from Kuch Kuch Hota Hai, that little baby. Do you remember him? Okay. So I then watched that decades ago. Okay, fine. I'll give you another word. Politics, science lab, and kitchen foil. In three, two, one. Tell me your story. So it's basically about a space capsule that is made out of foil. Um, NASA create a space capsule made out of foil that they decide to launch into space to colonize Mars and Jupiter. And actually, in fact, the rest of the- 10 seconds. And the Russians decide to instigate, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the clock to run down. <laughs> I'm like, what? that happened. I just had an image. Okay, I just, my picture in my mind, which I couldn't even move from, this is what happens is of the fake moon landings with foil it's okay you can breathe now as sharmila now you're up are you ready <laughs> i'm scared now cut those bits because i don't know what that what that's gonna be in there all right sharmila the first yes, thing right. start with is if i was and would, would you like to be by the way a film or a book a book a book okay if you were a book what would the title of that book be purple heart goddess Oh, what would the storyline be in four, three, two, one? A little girl goes to school, finds a heart, picks it up, um, throws it into the sky, becomes a flower, falls down. She slides into the underworld where she meets the uh, the god of um five worms, and then she falls in love with the with, with the god of worms, and they create beautiful, beautiful worm babies tunnels together. Beautiful. Oh my god, that's genius. That needs to be written. <laughs> give me give me two um character names from this book. Go. Lucifera and Rutagon. Beautiful. Rutagon. If you were a color, what would you be? Purple. If you were a fashion or a clothing trend, what would you be? Sustainable. If you were a dessert, what would you be? Chocolate, almond chocolate tart. Drink. Sweet water. Holiday destination. Kerala. If you were a plant or a flower. Frankie If you were a smell, what would the eau de perfume, what would the three notes be? Go. Frankincense, sandalwood, and frankincense, cedar. The singer? 
cedar. Oh. <laughs> oh, cedar. However you say it. Uh, like cedar wood. Take her blood and put it. <laughs> What would you rather be, rich or famous? Rich. Uh, critical acclaim or an award-winning portfolio? Critical acclaim. West End or regional theater? West End. Film or theater? Film. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. What would you rather have your play at the National Theatre with a UK tour following year, or publish a book and be on the New York Times? Uh, publish a book on New York Times, no question. Wow. <laughs> Guys, the amount of passion you both have for theatre is unreal. I know, right? <laughs> know. World, world peace or equal rights? Equal rights. Most underrated and overrated piece of theatre. Go. Underrated piece of theatre. Um, I saw something at the yard called Drag Queens. Okay. Underrated. I thought overrated. it was very cool and interesting. Overrated. Pretty much anything in the West End. Fucking overrated shit musicals for people that like musicals. Yeah. That's okay. Cats the musical gets dr- drowned in this podcast. It literally gets drowned. Anything by Andrew Lloyd Webber, basically. Oh, well, it was going to be like your most underrated and overrated director. So go. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'll save it. Yeah. Go. Most underrated and overrated oh, director. Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> underrated. It's underrated for you. Under- underrated. Iranian director who did White Meadow, whose name I can't remember, but he's fucking amazing. Okay, most underrated and overrated writer. Overrated, sorry God for saying bad things about writers. Overrated Zadie Smith. Sorry. Oh! Oh! Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. I've only read two plays. Sorry, God. Underrated. There's many underrated writers. Name one. (laughs) (laughs) Satinda's just turning Satinda. Underrated writer, Satinda. Wow. Okay. Rapid, rapid responses. Are you ready? Yes. Oh my God. I am sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you feel like you lack or can work on in your storytelling? And what is your beacon of light that nobody, no motherfucker out there can touch? Uh, what can I work on? I can oh, work on kind of like being quicker with structure. Okay. I tend to, you know, go long and have to cut down a lot normally. And what things, character, like, I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three things the industry could do with and without. Industry could do with a big shakeup. It could do with a non-hierarchical, non-hierarchical model of making theatre and making theatre much more community-based. So it's much more about people and community and much more about coming together Okay. <laughs> what you could do without? Oh, didn't I just do that? I feel like I did yeah, all did of it. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. But if you know now, simple yes or no, what you know about the industry, would you have entered it and worked the way you did up until I, now? I would have entered it, but I would have done it differently. Uh, what is what was your biggest expectation from your career? Things uh, that you have accomplished and mm-hmm. also let go of? The things that I... I wanted to have a play on at Soho Theatre, which I did. And what I let go of was that I was going to get commissioned by lots of other theatre companies following that <laughs> to write plays for them. Fabulous. Okay, you've let go of that. All right. This is also how well do you know your own scripture? Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do the husbands first. Oh, my God. How on earth am I going to remember any of those? Okay, Sam. Sam. Sam yes. says it is... It is a time for thanks and celebration, is it not, brother? Omar mm-hmm. says yes, but the extremes, the pretense of purity. The the fasting until you, the hunger, something about the hunger, it makes you feel sick or something. The extremes, something like that. 
Sam, you think too much, Omar. And what do you believe? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am going to play the the <laughs> reading. The worst, like questions ever. <laughs> I'm going to play when spring comes, and okay. you oh have to <laughs> ready. Okay. This is this might be a bad quality, so just listen very. Okay, Charlo, I'll listen. Okay. Don't catch hold. What time did the North guys say that they will arrive here? Uh, about about ten o'clock. About ten o'clock. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know who's arriving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll play. I should have gone. And the luggage? Where would where would you fit that, huh? It's wow. And the luggage? Where would you fit that? Oh my goodness! Like more. You imagine that you remember. <laughs> Does anyone actually remember what they've yeah. written? Yeah. Like, oh, really? Editing and editing and reading the lines, like reading it over and over again, and then suddenly it's just poof. All gone. right, all right. Well, make it up um, by being innovative, which is the exercises that you give to us at Soho Writers Lab. <laughs> Woo! This is revenge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, come on. Then. Okay. What do you want to write? Um, do you want to paint me a theater show, TV show, or a film? I'll do a film. You'll do a film. All right. <clears throat> trigger words are Jalebi. Oh, nice. Tiger Bomb. Mm-hmm. Blue Rain or Saraswati. You can choose out of both of them. Oh, okay. So you want me to give you a thing? Okay. So uh, a family je- who make jellabies, they and the dad um, hurts himself, is no longer able to make jellabies anymore. The family is destitute until the mom <laughs> brings her tiger bomb. <laughs> until the patriarchy takes over, and the mom has to has to rub. Well, the mom has to rub her husband. <laughs> it's t- you can let go. You can let go and ch- and chill and chill and breathe. Oh my oh. gosh. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant from SC, I have to say, but whoa, those questions. Please look out in your emails for who's won the £10 Nando's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. the I was gonna party? get there. She was gonna <laughs> enlightenment. I, uh, I'm sorry, what? Please. Come to save the day. Yes, and rub the man's back. Oh. A tiger bomb for her. Yeah, you know the patriarchy enforcing the patriarchy. <laughs> and then at the end, the woman got so angry, <laughs> put a tiger bomb in his anus, <laughs> sleeping. And then he suddenly wakes up and he gets addicted to it. <laughs> Every night he requests it now from her. <laughs> She's he makes jelly for her. She does it for him. He's eating jalebi, rubbing on his anus. <laughs> if that does not get produced by the National Theatre, there, no <laughs> there is no hope. This is right. the kind of work we want to be making, right? As you can see. Yeah. This is a cutting edge kind of work. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it. High which is on story lines. What would you do if somebody in Soho Writers Lab genuinely wrote that play for you and you were the drama tag? <laughs> what would you, would you still be like, who's the audience that you're writing this for? 
<laughs> I mean, like, how do you feel about your character? I know we have to work from character eye. We have to see if it's things. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's return quickly to some deep, meaningful conversation and close this show off. <laughs> Sharmila, what ah. words of wisdom would you give to yourself if you looked in the mirror today? Oh, today? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it sounds really bullshit, but I'd be like, yeah, it's about the the journey and you have to take care of yourself through the, through the journey. Make sure that you're uh, creatively inspired and fed so you don't get depleted. <clears throat> Peaks and valleys is a question I ask everybody. Your peak is a high point of your personal or professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? I had a lot of peaks and troughs. Maybe one thing I learned when I did the husbands was I probably should have let go of the kind of, I think I was really worried that it was, was how, what was going to happen when it went to the regions. So it was fun to go to the regions, but I guess now I would never do that. I'd be like, see you guys, have fun, maybe come and see a few shows. But I definitely wouldn't be sitting there like through a lot of performances again. I wouldn't do that again. I think it's, you've got to just have faith and be like, okay, you know, I think in London, I don't have that. But when, because it was going to the regions, I was a bit scared. So maybe that would be my main sort of one of the many, many things I've learned during a peak and a trough. I'm at COVID. Valley. Valley, Valley. Okay, I think over COVID, I really struggled just with like the pandemic lockdown, being at home with two kids, not writing at all. And I think what I learned from that is being a creative, and this goes back to what we talked about, like your family recognizing and other people recognizing the importance of your creative practice. And although I didn't have a lot of time, I probably could have valued that part of myself more and really prioritized it instead of letting everything else because at the end of it, I was completely burnt out and just, I didn't have anything. And that's that advice I gave myself, which is make sure you take care of yourself creatively and rest and feed yourself. And I think I didn't do that for probably about 18 months and I was completely like colossal. So I think that is one thing I've really learned and to really honour and really take yourself seriously in that way. That is important. Um, I always think what makes a good or um, a confident creative are three pillars one is support so that can be mental emotional financial any sort of support from your friends family close people so that's one pillar your second pillar is innate within yourself so confidence grit wherever you get that from that 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 juice that makes you who you are and regardless of all odds you will be that and then the third is faith so Mm. all that can be translated into cultures like spirituality religion culture all of those things So for me, those are the three pillars. And if you didn't have all of those things, you chip away all Mm. of those things from your career and your personal life as of right now, would you still continue to do what you're doing today? I think so. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I I feel like it's like being compelled by something that a force is bigger than me. Doesn't mean I'd necessarily be very successful or very well taken care of, but I don't think I could stop writing in one way or another. Satinder ji, what would you say is the peak and valleys of your... Peak would be about staying on my path and listening to my voice. I think it's actually just about not, not comparing myself to others and, yeah, just following my path to 
my path to happiness, really, which is through creativity. Well, 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 she's got to figure it figured out. Don't compare yourself to other people, which is so easy exactly. to do. Exactly. Look at that. Exactly. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> um, it really is, though, yeah. To, I mean, it's a cliche be true to oneself but yeah I think it served me well and oh my low I think it's the same as Essie I think it's that thing of you know you've just got to stop being so hard on yourself um when you don't feel that you're fulfilling your own expectations or um it's it's just taking care of yourself and having perspective on the work work and life and yeah just just self-care I've learned that more and more the older I've got it's about self-care you know stuff the work if it's making you unhappy Mm -hmm. like really you know you have to it it starts with just sort of self-contentment and being happy and even when I'm like I get quite a lot of writing anxiety when I'm sitting down to write something um and I think it's really important not to get caught in that space of just stress and just actually just to try to find the sweet spot between the pressure and um relaxation you know just to actually relax into the work that's what I think um yeah has come from the lows Mm. what words (laughs) (laughs) what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today I would just say keep on like just keep on as you're doing I I think Oh, there's a brilliant quote. I love listening to this woman called Tara Brock every morning. Mm, Oh my God, she's amazing. And she said that judgment takes you away from presence, but acceptance brings you home to yourself. And I think that's, I think that's so important as a creative, like just stop the self-judgment, stop crucifying yourself. And that's what I would use Tara's words just um, (laughs) for myself. Um, <clears throat> again the same question in regards to if you were to remove it also the three pillars would you still continue to do what you're doing today yeah but I probably have switched to novels and films a lot sooner than stay in theater as long as I did oh. By I the mean, way- not, that, not that I'm gonna quit theater but I just think it's that I think I stayed in it a little bit too long just because it took so long to get my head around I think it's been such a an arduous journey just trying to understand the mechanics of it trying to exist as a writer within it Mm -hmm. within the theater world and it just it's just it took so much time you know in between projects and trying to get some momentum going um so that's my only like minor regret about it is that not not the writing path the writing path I'm really happy about and you know essentially for me I feel like I'm a storyteller more than I'm a playwright or a novelist or whatever I mean I'm not a novelist but you you know even you know writing for radio um so I feel like all those paths are equally kind of valuable and important but yeah I just wish I'd kind of done the branching out into fiction or film a lot sooner because you know projects take time Mm -hmm. they take time for me you know they do take time yeah and they do not after today with your (laughs) responses you're gonna turn out work like this oh my god you're right you're gonna have us doing it like that Um, it's you yeah that's yeah but no i i for all its struggles and pitfalls and yeah it's still absolutely it's it, like like essie says it's a compulsion to to write shamila are you ready for your bitch down i mean i wasn't really yeah i mean i can okay think about think about this is shamila chohan bitch down bitch down 
forget about your body, forget about what you need, forget about the place you came from, forget about the the body that made you and the body that you will leave behind one day. Try and think about, I don't know, like pleasure and desire and the fact that these Five. things no oh my god the fact that these things are god-given right that's it that was your rant or was that a spiritual i don't know life yeah. coaching I don't know. clearly i have not got enough ranting okay. energy in my life all right this is in the show this is yours oh, do better than me please. please i'm useless at least come on rant three two one okay bitch don't try to keep us down don't try to hold us back bitch don't (laughs) because we want to we want to we want to say the things that we say we want to tell the stories that we want to tell we'll galvanize and we will um we'll do it a different way we're gonna do it a different way so bitch don't just back we're not gonna live the way that you want us to live um I was actually thinking of the Tories, actually, while I was yeah, it's done. Actually, it was like, Liz, oh, that's a whole different, yeah. Well, that's I was a whole like, then I got lost in the image. Then I got lost in the image, and I was like, oh, maybe. Oh, um, well, I this... think you need to cut those rants. They're not really rants, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm keeping them. Oh, you're not. I am so keeping them. I'm but you not. keep them for your own private amusement, yeah. right? I, I think gonna... you need to like, yeah. Firstly, this show that. is for my private amusement. A lot of it, I will say. <laughs> Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again, and as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go, which means now I must go. I own that that is copyrighted and I will sue. (laughs) Okay, have a great one and stay curious. Till next time.